Charlotte Area Chambers Podcast, where we talk about everything Charlotte with area business and community leaders. Here are your hosts, Chamber Chief Operating Officer Michael Orzak and CEO of Chase Media, Diane Chase. Hey everyone, welcome to In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chamber Podcast. I'm Michael Orzak, along with my co-host Diane Chase, and in today's episode, we'll be talking to John Fuller from Phoenix Fire Solutions. We're thrilled to have John on our show today. Welcome, John and Diane. Welcome, John. Thank you, Michael. Hey, John, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us today and share some words of wisdom and tips for our chamber members and other business professionals. So just, I guess, kick us off with a little bit about exactly what you do in your business. Sure. So... Uh, We are a design and consulting firm. Uh, We've been doing this for 13 years now. And uh, with that, we would be classified as a micro agency. So uh, it is just me. And then we bring in uh, whatever talent we need for uh, project-based work. But uh, with the with the design and uh, consulting piece of that, we're handling things like um, like collateral, like branding. But we're also doing uh, workshops and uh, some knowledge work around the business on the front end to make sure that we're designing things that will uh, actually help move people's businesses forward. That's wonderful. And so, what are you seeing in in your business in terms of changing? priorities or changing needs for businesses? Well, the biggest thing that, uh, and this falls into line with why we added the consulting pieces, is um, over the last several years, we come to the realization that people are continually asking us for the wrong things. So, There's basically three things that businesses want. They want more customers, more money, or a better profile in the community. But if somebody comes to work with someone like us, they'll come to a design firm and they'll say, we need a brochure. And, but they don't need a brochure. It has nothing to do with what they really want. And if we can get back to those pieces around what they're really trying to achieve, we can make recommendations on what things will help them do that. Now, what happens if they get to the idea of this brochure is they look out in the market and they find another company that is similar to them that they think is doing better than they are. They don't have any idea whether they're actually doing better or not. They just perceive that they're doing better. And then they look for where the holes are. Well, they have a brochure and we don't have a brochure. That must be the magic bullet. Let me run out and have somebody make me a brochure. And we can design them a beautiful brochure that will not help them at all because it's not what they need. And when you start talking to them about it, they'll tell you things like, oh, well, I'm going to put it on the counter in the shop. And that doesn't do them any good. Those are those people are already their customers. So so it's a total waste. And then and they end up being dissatisfied with it because not because of the quality of the work, but because it doesn't do what they assumed it would do. You know that is so so very true in my uh, in my world of communications consulting and training and media relations and PR. It's it's really important to be able to talk to the decision makers about 
their strategic goals and the right tools from your area of expertise that they need to reach those goals. And as you say, just because a client may think they need a brochure doesn't mean they really do. Oh, and um, I think they probably get asked for a brochure all the time because that's an easy way to brush somebody off, right? Like if you have a salesperson or they're selling and they'll say, oh, do you have a brochure? Just to say, oh, I'll take this and now go on your way. <laughs> and yes. So people think they need that brochure because they get asked for it all the time. But why are you getting asked for this brochure? Like find the answer to that. Yes, absolutely. Well, everything's electronic now anyway, and even the days of business cards are starting to change, right? Um, people are just using QR codes or taking a, a snapshot of your card and handing it back to you or just really making an instant LinkedIn connection when you're at a networking event. So I, I don't know what that portends for from your view, John. And all the fishbowls have gone away for your free lunches. So, you know, what what good are they really to have a big stack of them anymore if I'm not going to get a free lunch out of them? Except for the Charlotte Area Chamber of Commerce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, still yeah do, we still do drawings. <laughs> I to have a business card for that. John, what else in the graphics world do you currently work on? What's something like that gets you excited about? Hey, I can help this person do X or, you know. Well, one of the um, the biggest thing we're seeing is if if we can have real conversation around what they're going, where they're going, and what they're trying to achieve, we can make better recommendations and build things that are going to actually work for them. So, um Here's an example. So we had a client that was a concierge Airbnb cleaning service. So you own a you own an Airbnb and you don't want to clean it yourself, and you hire them like a maid service to come in and take care of your Airbnb. So during the pandemic, for whatever reason, the the sheets and towels that they provided were getting damaged at a higher. Um, higher rate than they had been in the past. I don't know if it's the length of stays, if it's the type of people who were traveling at Airbnbs during the pandemic. I mean, we're not we're not sure what's causing the issue. But they're hearing back from their customers that they're all angry about paying for these sheets and towels that are getting destroyed, even though it's part of their contracts and it's something that's there. And it's something that they've totally already agreed to. But they're getting all this pushback. The reason they're getting the pushback is not that they, not that the homeowners care to pay it. It's that they're surprised that they need to pay it because they didn't bother to read the contract. So it's money that they weren't expecting to spend. So we took their contracts and we went through and we reworked them as a welcome magazine. Nice and visual. People are signing off as they go through it. Uh, we're explaining things in charts and graphs that help them understand the different concepts and what's going on. They still get to their legalese pages at the end, and it's all fine, and they're signing off. But that problem went away because now they're aware that they they need to cover it, and they plan for it. Now, that is a design firm problem that no one would ever say, 
oh, I need to go to a design firm and have this taken care of. So I think where we really excel in that and, and where I'd like to see design firms go in general is from more of a design as a method of creative problem solving, not just the my brand looks good, but how can we really use these tools and these methodologies in a way that's solving issues? Yeah, that sounds that sounds really interesting to make a contract a visual better whatever it is like the bullet points the things you need to know because yeah every time you get a contract from somebody and you know a law firm wrote it it's the finest print and the biggest number of pages they can produce. I think they have a contest. Who can make this contract this many pages, right? And then you just sign off on it because you're like, oh my goodness, I can't read all this and understand it. And most yes. businesses don't even prompt you to read it. They they look at it as a pain too. And they go, oh, it's a standard contract. Don't worry about it. Here's where you sign and just let's get to the sale and move on. But but if you're not having that communication, it's really breaking things down for people. That's very true. And, you know, um, the more complicated, the more jargon, the more gobbledygook in contracts or any kind of documents, the more risk and potential liability because the customer, client, consumer can use that as, you know, as, you know, alleging that there was some sort of smoke and mirrors going on and that they were duped and didn't understand and it wasn't explained. And so having, you know, so many people are visual in terms of the way they learn and retain information that mm -hmm. that actually can be a real, uh, a real positive thing to, to look into for when you're conveying information. And the words matter, and people don't think they do. They they treat them like, oh, well, this is good marketing speak for me. But so we have a client that has a certification program around um, fitness, and we're we're talking with them about possibly changing the name of their program from a certification program to an accreditation. And the reason for that is if they have their program and it's called a certification, they are liable for what that person does with that information. So if they're doing a fitness program and they're certifying that this coach can train this and he hurts someone, they could be on the hook on the back end of that, even though they weren't there or had nothing to do with it at all because they certified that he can do this work rather than him being accredited to do this work. So I, I think people just, yeah, you're right. The legalese gets in the way and, and people don't take a hard enough look at what some of those words mean when they're putting out their, their marketing materials and things. That's such a good point. Accreditation and certification are interchanged and they are not the same thing. Um, as a communication professional, we have uh, the global Communication Certification Council, and we are the, you know, the ISO certified group for our profession, which is a, a big deal. Now, I'm also an accredited partner 
in a strategic business storytelling methodology, but it's it's different, right? So, um, so that's a really good point. What are the trends that you're seeing just kind of across the board, John, and, and what are some of your plans for 2023? Um, some of the trends we're seeing across the board, I mean, from an agency standpoint is um, agencies are getting smaller and more nimble. Um, there's going to be a move to, to not have so many people on staff to be able to handle things in a, a, a faster way. Um, for some of them we're looking forward to in uh, 2023, we are um, adding in, oh, sorry, I'm tongue-tied there. Um, design sprints into our methodology and things we do. So design sprints are a week-long workshop that um, was developed originally uh, by Jake Knapp uh, when he was with Google. Um, but basically, they allow you to do uh, rapid prototyping with businesses. So some of the workshops and stuff we do now are very um, are set up informationally to get us information, be able to build them better branding and those type of things. But with this type of thing, um, it's used uh, in a much larger swath of methodologies. So you could do rapid prototyping around anything from how a website works to um, are we providing the right snacks in the break room or or just anything? So uh, we're really excited to add that into the uh, the consulting mix of some of the things we're doing on the back end. That sounds very interesting about how to do that. I also have another question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot because I don't know myself. I haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to ask you, do you know what the color of the year is for next year? And do people actually say, okay, that's the color of the year. I'm going to incorporate this into my stuff. Um, I do not know what the color of the year is. And I have seen people incorporate it into their stuff, but more from a designer showing off for each other. Like, oh, look okay. at this thing I made with the color of the year. And I'm going to kind of uh, piggyback on the communication stuff around that. Uh, what I do think is going to be interesting this year is there there seems to be some level of a rift between adobe and pantone right now so they have went back and they've pulled all of the pantone colors out of the adobe products and you have to pay a separate licensing fee to be able to access pantone colors now and i am interested to see what the if designers will even use the color of the year if they can't directly access it that way or will they do some you know off cmyk version and try to do that anyway i'm gonna keep an eye out for that yeah the color of the year michael but also the word of the year the word of the year this year is quite depressing actually but um well you know in terms of uh, a renaissance for printed materials. Are you seeing that, John? Or are we just going to continue to become more electronic and everything virtual? Uh, printed materials aren't going to go away. 
um, there there's too many avenues that um, that you can't get to in other in other means. So you may see people using less of them, or they may. Um, some places I do think will continue to see them go away is like restaurant menus and those kind of things, because I think uh, that people have gotten very comfortable with the idea of not having a menu. Uh, but for for general marketing and those kind of things, they're not going to go away. The the tactile piece of it and the, the nature of having that piece in your hand um, is very different than getting an email. So, you know, if, if we're sending you a a mail piece that's printed on high quality paper and it's an invite for say it's an invite for your nonprofits uh gala and it's on really nice paper and it's coming through and you're holding it and you're excited about it and you're you're opening it and there's this this whole process to it that doesn't exist in that digital world in the same way um so I don't think it'll totally go away, but I, I think a lot of the ways that we use them are going to get more niche and more specific than they've been in the past. I really think that, well, it's like the pendulum swinging, right? So now having a, a beautiful printed piece, a really nice printed piece for a special event or, you know, even a product debut debut or whatever just holds so much more value because we appreciate what is uh, rare and wonderful and printed materials are becoming more rare so just like the handwritten letters are coming back and all of those things that that really help you stand out as opposed to another beautiful graphic you know jpeg that's in your email inbox but um I'm I'm old school, I guess, but I do like a nice printed material. And to me, I've always believed that it it multiplies the opportunity for people to share something really nice that they'll remember. So if you have a printed newsletter or yes, a brochure or whatever, sitting on a you know a lobby table or you know an admin's desk or whatever people will come by and pick it up and look at it right and maybe well, and, oh, i'm sorry diane i cut you off there i have a little bit of a delay go ahead no problem i'm I, and then you know pick it up and show it to somebody else right yeah and, and i think there's an opportunity there if it's done right that it can be much more personable so it's not just a Oh, I made this graphic and I sent it out to 30,000 people online. It is this was something that was made and sent to me because this is not something that went out wide. There there was a specific reason that I got this. So uh, I, I think when implemented properly, it has a, a lot higher impact. Totally get it. I agree. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, I, I guess the one thing I would add, and, and I think this is important for all businesses, and, and I don't know, I'm sure you run into this too, but the thing that I'm seeing the most is businesses that have really no plan about where they're going. And um, I, I think it's a really big problem. And I, I think businesses need to think a little bit about 
that that five-year time horizon and where they would like their business to be and what success looks like to them um, so that they have something to build for. Otherwise, they're just they're they're leaping at shiny objects or they're they're making decisions without the right set of information. And if, if they don't have any place that they're going, how could they possibly ever get there? So I, I think that's the thing that I would that I would add that I think is going to be most important to your audience. It's really if you can't tell me in the next few years where your business is going, maybe you should take a few minutes and, and figure that out. That's great, great, great advice. Absolutely right. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thanks for being on In The Loop, everyone. Um, get a hold of John. His information will be on our website in the Charlotte Chambers directory. And John will help you with the plan. Thanks, John, for being on our podcast. Thank you, guys. It was good to talk to you again. Oh, thank you, too. Take care. Thank you for joining us on In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chamber weekly business and community podcast with your hosts, Michael Orsak and Diane Chase. If you'd like to be a sponsor, please contact us through our website, charlotteareachamber.com. Join us again next week for the latest scoop, In The Loop.